It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and can't get a hold of anyone. If you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Born in 1962 in New York City, Danny Shapiro was an only child raised in an Orthodox Jewish home. Her father was extremely religious, and her mother agreed to raise Danny according to tradition. It wasn't until after her mother died, Danny learned her mother had been an atheist. Their home was fraught with tension, and for Danny, religion and spirituality soon became synonymous with trouble, conflict, anxiety. As a teen, she rebelled and left Judaism behind. By the time she reached her 20s, Danny says her life had become out of control. She dropped out of college to try modeling. She had a string of bad relationships. She started abusing drugs and alcohol and says she felt lost, far away from her true calling. When she was 24, her parents were in a devastating car crash. Her father died two weeks later. Her mother was severely injured, shattered in every way. Danny became her mother's caretaker and had to get it together quickly. It was precisely this moment that Danny says woke her up and saved her. She felt compelled to make her life mean something. She got sober, finished school, began writing and teaching, got married, and started a family. She became a best selling author of five nonfiction books and two memoirs Slow Motion and more recently, Devotion. Despite all her success, Danny still felt a yearning for something more, for something to believe in. At night, while being tucked in, her young son would ask the big questions. Mom, do you believe in God? What happens when we die? And she didn't know what to tell him. The religion of her childhood flooded back, and Danny suddenly found herself in the midst of her very own spiritual journey. So this journey for you really started when your son Jacob, who's now 14, but was a younger boy, and started asking you, what do you believe? Yes. Yeah. I know many parents um, who were raised in either Orthodox uh, traditional religion or not question how they're going to now relay that to their children. How, yes. how do I, what do I want my son or daughter to believe? Yes. Yeah, and no, you were those, in that space. Those questions set off an avalanche of feelings and thoughts. Um, and because I knew that my, my rote answer, my initial rote answer, which was the smorgasbord answer. It yes. was, well, some people believe that there's a heaven. Uh -huh. Some people believe that we come back. Some people believe um, 
you know, in the spirit world. I mean, I just gave him a kind of... Smorgasbord. And I knew that I was failing him. Mm -hmm. I knew that I was failing myself, too, because I was giving, you know, giving a six, seven-year-old kid... They don't want a smorgasbord. Yeah. They want to know what their mom believes. Uh-huh. And, and the, a- the avalanche that it set off was that I was raised with so much in that way. I was raised with the, this is what we believe. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, there's no two ways about this. this because is... you were raised with an Orthodox Jewish father yes. and an atheist mother. I'm yes. like, how does that work yes. for you? Yes. Explain, first of all, what does Orthodox mean? I, I mean, I know, but what does it mean for um, Orthodox, Orthodox, in the way that I was raised, um, was what would be termed modern Orthodox. So we weren't Hasidic. My father didn't wear a black hat and a long beard. It was Sort but did contempt- you keep kosher? We kept kosher. Mm-hmm. Um, two sinks? Two sinks, two dishwashers, mm-hmm. no driving on the Sabbath, no turning on or off lights on the Sabbath, mm-hmm. um, no electricity of any kind, mm-hmm. no, no writing, no homework, no playing the piano. So you honored the Sabbath? You completely honored mm-hmm. the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And you watched your father do the ritual prayers every day? Yes. yes. As a little girl, it's actually one of my favorite memories um, Mm -hmm. of him. I would sometimes sit in his lap. I would sometimes stand with him and watch him. But what I was watching was devotion, which I really only understood so much later in life. I really in writing about it, when Mm -hmm. I really delved into what, what was it that was so warm and so that made me feel so safe. Mm -hmm. And so the process of writing devotion came about because you were in search. It was your version of Eat, Pray, Love. Yes. Only you didn't leave your own backyard. Yes. Devotion is written like a spiritual detective story with Danny delving deep into the events of her past, searching for clues. She reflects on her parents' car accident and her father's early death, how she ran away from the God of her childhood and fell into a drug and alcohol-infused rebellion. It's a story she first shared in her earlier memoir, Slow Motion. And in Slow Motion, you write about that period. And, you know, one of the biggest regrets, you say, is when your father died, that you were still in that period of rebellion and trying to figure out who you were and all of that. And that saddened you that he didn't get to see who you are now. It was a great sorrow for me that he died when I was really a mess and that that was, he died worried about me. I believe that he knows. Yeah. I do. My father's death, which was in an accident, Mm -hmm. was at, was such a turning point for me of feeling like if I can't make meaning out of this loss, out of his death, then I'm not even sure, you know, what I'm doing. Mm. Um, And that became for me, he became my compass. And it's one of the reasons why eventually I needed to write that book, Slow Motion. Mm -hmm. I needed to write it because I was trying to reconcile for myself how the worst possible thing that had happened in my life, my parents' accident, the loss of my father, my mother's injuries, how that could turn out to actually be something that would turn my life around. How a terrible thing that I would take back if I could could also turn out to be something that ended up. So your father's death and the way he died in the car accident was an open door for these Completely. discoveries for you. It was, it was a shock 
-hmm. And the shock created like a fissure in me, mm -hmm. like, a, like, a, like a crack that allowed me to wake up. Which is what we're all trying to do. Yeah. yeah. And it's unfortunate that sometimes it takes tragedy and it takes crisis and it takes, you know. We don't choose what's going to wake us up. That's right. We don't choose what's going to wake us up. Yeah. But you need to wake up. Yeah. As you pulled away from uh, Judaism, you said that you rebelled with a vengeance. Mm. What did that look like? Oh, if you had looked up rebelling with a vengeance in the dictionary, there would have been my yeah, picture. You started first by eating bacon. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> bacon started in high school when all my other friends were doing slightly more um, interesting yeah. things in the woods. I was, I was eating bacon because... Yeah. But I moved on from bacon. Because Orthodox Jews do not eat bacon, right. for those of you who are saying, what's wrong with bacon? Right, yeah, yes. bacon, shrimp. I mean, yes. Yeah. Uh, so once I went to college, and I, I, left, I left high school a year early, I was just kind of hell-bent on getting out of Dodge. And I, I was about as ill-equipped to be on my own in a college with other people who hadn't been raised in this kind of really protected, cosseted, other people who've been doing things other than eating bacon. Yeah. Um, and... You in, lost your mind a little bit. I lost my mind a little bit. Mm -hmm. And um, I had no sense of my identity, like my right. outline, right. myself, my worth. Yeah. Um, I, I, I felt like... It had all been defined for you. Yeah. And you had to fit into this box. And if you don't, then yeah. you don't know who you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the rebelling, I think, had to do with really not knowing myself not knowing, you know, just it, my guts, not knowing what I was capable of, no idea, mm -hmm. no, no idea of um, what I might offer anyone else or myself or the world. So let's talk about this process because I think so many people are or have been where you are or are in the search for themselves. So what, having still being in the journey, in the seeking phase for yourself, what advice do you give to those who want to know, who want this inner journey? Mm. How should we open ourselves to mm. that? The first thing that I would say is that one of the things that stopped me, the first thing that stopped me was permission. The first thing that stopped me was, what right do I have? I'm not a religious scholar. I'm going against the way that I was raised. I'm a woman. I don't have time. What, what right do I have to do this? Yeah. So, like, step one, I think, was just the idea of this is important. This is important for me. This is important for my loved ones that I do this so mm -hmm. that I can be there more for them because I can be there more for myself. Then the feeling of all the shoulds. The thing that stopped me for a really long time was that I came from this all-or-nothing place. I came from it's our way or not at all. Mm -hmm. And the feeling that I had about my Orthodox family was they got God, so that meant there was no God left over for me. You know, that they, they were doing it right. They were doing it by the book. So that de facto meant that I was doing it wrong. Yeah, and also their way of doing it didn't resonate with you. And it didn't obviously. resonate. Yeah. It didn't resonate. So that was in conflict with what you really believed. With what I really believed. Yeah. But, but, but I put what I really believed kind of on a shelf because it was too painful to try to 
grapple with it. It was too painful to pull it off the shelf and really say. But it, at the time, you didn't even know what you really believed. I didn't know what I believed. I didn't know that it was. And I, no, I, I just, I shelved the question. I retired the question. Mm -hmm. And as far as I was concerned, that question could have stayed retired and might have until my son Jacob started asking those questions. Okay. Or something else would have. Yeah, because I think it. that's a question for all of our viewers too. What do you really believe? Do you really believe it or are you just by rote reciting what you've right. been told your whole life? Right. Fundamentally, what do you believe? Right. Yeah. That's the question that you grapple with yes. in devotion. The greatest um, lesson, I would say, that I learned and continue to be learning is that I had felt, because I had been told what to believe, I felt that it wasn't okay to build a spiritual life. You had to take the one that had been handed to you on a platter, yeah. but you couldn't create one. Yeah. And that people who did create them were kind of seeking easy answers or yeah, like yeah, yeah. Jerry, cherry picking, like yeah, a little bit here, a yeah. little bit there. So to begin to define for yourself, for ourselves, maybe there's another way in. Yes. Maybe there's another way in. Yes. Was like... So liberating. Yes. Yeah. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Thomas's presents Tackling Traffic with Tom. Good morrow. Tis your reminder to savor the morning with Thomas's breakfast. And while you may not be able to control what occurs on your commute, like your horse and buggy popping a wheel and axle on the way to the schoolhouse, you can control what you put atop your soft but crunchy bagel and the toastiness of your English muffin. So do take the time to savor the morning with Thomas's. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Could you read the passage from page nine? I think that really illustrates where you were and why this book's happened and also where so many other people are in their life right now. I yeah, love that. Absolutely. I had reached the middle of my life and knew less than I ever had before. Michael, Jacob and I lived on top of a hill surrounded by old trees, a vegetable garden, stone walls. From the outside, things looked pretty good. But deep down inside myself, I had begun to quietly fall apart. Nights, I quivered in the darkness like a wounded animal. Something was very wrong, but I didn't know what it was. Nothing, absolutely nothing I could put my finger on was the matter. Except that I was often on the verge of tears. Except that it seems that there had to be more than this hodgepodge of the everyday. Inside, each joy was a hard kernel of sadness as if I was always preparing myself for impending loss. Hmm. A hard kernel of sadness. What is it that you think uh, that doesn't allow some people to feel the, and embrace fully the joy in their lives because 
there's always this feeling that even though it's going well right now, something really bad's gonna show up. Well, even though I'm going, yeah, what is that? Well, joy, joy's frightening. Mm -hmm. I mean, to feel joy, to feel love, mm -hmm. to feel it fully, mm -hmm. is also to know that it won't always be so. I mean, yes. that's just a fact. Yeah, that's just a fact. You know, the Buddhists say, li you know, life is suffering. Yeah. Someday, the other shoe- To accept shoe, that problems are going to come. They will. They are going to come. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The other shoe will drop. Yeah. Um, and so the idea or the, I mean, for me, so much the desire to be able to embrace the joy as it flies, to be able to feel it mm -hmm. fully mm -hmm. without the uh-oh. Yeah. I think the hard kernel of sadness comes from leaning back into the past of being frightened about the future. When, when you're fully in the present with joy, when you're fully in the present with anything, it's impossible to feel anything other than that. Mm -hmm. But you know, I know you watch Super Soul Sunday and when Brene Brown was on, she was sharing the thought that so many parents have that even as you're looking oh. in the room, as you put your children to bed at night and you have that, oh, aren't they beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. And then, oh my God, yes. I hope nothing ever happens. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. yes exactly. It's like the, oh, uh-oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But what you were feeling, I think, is what so many people, particularly those who are Super Soul Seekers and are seeking for that depth of greater meaning in their lives. And I, I thought what you described on page uh, seven, you said that the words were coming to me unforced, unbidden, do better. I wanted to be a better mother, a wife, writer, teacher, person, member of society. I definitely wanted to sleep better. We all want that one, don't we? Oh, and eat better. Oh yes, of course. And have more patience, drink more water. I say that to myself every day. Okay, I'm gonna make it to six glasses today. I wanted to be someone who not only bought flaxseed oil at the health food store, but actually ingested it. I laughed at this because I buy it all the time. I even buy the flaxseed and- Right, shelves I, full of the stuff. Shelves yeah. full of flaxseed. Yeah. There was no end to my desire for self-improvement, but was this what I meant? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And the question is, was this what you meant? No, this wasn't what I meant. Um, I certainly had all of those desires to self-improve mm -hmm. in all of those ways. Yes. But the desire was much deeper than that. It mm -hmm. was this feeling, you know, the, the, the part about wanting to sleep better. I was waking up at three o'clock in the morning, every morning, into this state of sort of existential panic. I, I, I didn't know what was wrong, but there was this feeling that I was falling and that there was just nothing to catch me. Mm -hmm. And I intuitively knew that it had to do with a spiritual crisis, that it had to do with... Um, Did you have that, that word for it? I didn't have the word. I'll tell you yeah. the moment that I, that I knew. I was actually in the middle of my yoga practice. I was yeah. standing in tree pose in this little room doing yoga. And the word devotion actually presented itself to me. Like it was almost like in neon, it was like red and flashing. Mm -hmm. And the moment that happened, I thought, oh, that's, it all came together. That's what this is. I am in a spiritual crisis. I need to understand this. I need to write about this because that's how I understand things. By writing. By writing. It's mm -hmm. the only way I know to know what the heck is going on in my mind. Mm -hmm. As I was reading the book, I was saying, you know, what's interesting is you were feeling this sense of angst, this sense of urgency, this sense of, you know, flooding your body all of the time. 
but at least you were feeling it. I think so many people are so disconnected and numbed by the routine of life that they're, 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 they don't even have an opportunity to stop and know what they're feeling. And that's why sometimes it's three o'clock in the morning, it's waking you up. Well, the, the feeling that I had was that I would get my whole day done and check everything off every list that I had to do and drive everywhere that I had to drive and do everything that I had to do and get dinner on the table and and answer emails and yeah. just do all of the things in that in that endless kind of- And then of, your last thought at night and, is, oh, we're running out of dog yeah, food. The same thing that everybody and that goes pillow, through. fall asleep and then something in my being yes. was forcing me awake because it was the thing that I hadn't dealt with. It was the most important thing, but you know, the, the, what happens in life is it's just very easy to kind of say, well, I'll deal with that later. I'll, yeah. I'll get to that at yeah. some point. Yeah. So you're blessed to have that restlessness, really. Yeah, it's a gift. Oh, it's a gift. It's a wake-up call. So tell us, for everybody who has been where you were and is where you are seeking, because you would still consider yourself a seeker. Very correct? much so, yeah. You, you were saying that you've got to be able to validate for yourself that you have the right to do this, mm -hmm. um, that you have the right to seek, mm -hmm. and that the seeking really opens up what everybody is yearning for, and that is the deeper, fuller, more joyful life. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it starts with actually what you said at the bottom of page seven, and I think that so many people who um, are, are part of this, the Super Soul platform uh, expressed to me through your tweets and through your Facebook messages exactly what you said. I want to do better. Yeah. I want to do better. But I want to do better in a way that's not just about I'm going to drink more glasses of water and I'm going to make sure that my yoga poses are on point. I'm gonna, I just want to do and be better. Well, it's it's that inner work. Yes. Um, there's a beautiful piece of wisdom from Abraham Joshua Heschel yeah. where he, he wrote, things when magnified are forgeries of happiness. Things when magnified. Things oh. when okay. magnified, which I love. Because everybody, that. things, great, things are great, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Love things. Yeah. But things when magnified are forgeries of happiness. Yes. And I think so much of what we, so magnified many of Magnified meaning put too much put, value put, in put it. Put too much value yeah. in it. And, and, you're and absolutely idea, right. I, I, I just, I, that was one of Although those. Although we were talking about our shoes today. When you get a closet full of shoes that you thought. You would, thought was going to fill you up and make you It was going to fill happy. you up. And yeah. you walk into that closet space and, and it's And it's still, just, and then you need more. And you need more. Yeah, that's And then the, you realize it, they're just shoes. And, and that's the forgeries of happiness. Forgeries of happiness. Exactly. Yes. But, but that way in which I think so many of us go about our days, go about just the, um, there's always something that we need. There's always a next. You know, we're we're either we're either leaning back into the past and regret and into that swamp, yep. which I think is where sort of depression lives and all of yes, that. Yes, that's where depression is. Or we're impacted. Yeah, pain. exactly. Just yes. just, or we're we're leaning forward into the future, into. Um, you know, what if and worry and anxiety and and all of that. I mean, the number of times that I've been driving somewhere in my car in this beautiful, hilly, windy, you know, roads of New England where I live, and I'll realize that I've been driving 20 minutes and I haven't seen anything. I've wow. been, I've just been thinking, 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 
And meanwhile, I'm passing countryside that people drive to see, you know, <laughs> beautiful foliage, cows, Bucolic, horses, pastoral, fences, yes. stone walls. And I'm either, you know, back in 1975 or I'm in the future. Mm -hmm. And, but the, it's the, what, what, what people who teach meditation say is it's the catching yourself. How about coming back to the breath? Yes. How about coming back to the moment? Mm -hmm. And because that's where joy resides, that's where anything that we can possibly accomplish in the spiritual realm, like yes. not in the, 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 all that stuff, at least the, you know, the, 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 gar the garbage can that, ca that my head can be. Mm -hmm. And to, to be able to stop and actually get to that place, I think that that's like the, that's the place where it begins. Okay. Don't go anywhere. More to come after this short break. No two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas' vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. Are you a beach person? Well, you'll be having fun under the sun with Texas' 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies can't get enough of Texas' world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us, without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. How do you begin to decipher um, the sacred in the ordinary? Because that's really what you ended up doing here mm. in this book. I think it begins, or it began for me with an awareness, kind of a constant awareness of the sacred so that the idea that I'm driving in a car with my son in the back seat and it's a beautiful fall day and the leaves are turning and it's just the two of us in the car and we're talking, that can be a sacred moment. Mm -hmm. um, or he can be playing on the phone and I can be like zoned out and thinking about 20 things that I need to do or mm -hmm. didn't do or whatever. And then the moment is lost. And right. um, there's a beautiful... So it's like when you're being with somebody, really be with right. someone. And, yes. re and recognize the possibility 
of the divine in any given moment. Mm -hmm. Just, it's, it's like a lens through which to see the world. It's so easy to not do that, and yet it's almost like flipping a switch. And in doing it, the feeling of this place, the energy of this place feels sacred. A Abraham Joshua Heschel, who I really fell in love with during the time that I was writing Devotion, he said, the task of life is to face sacred moments, to face sacred moments. I just thought that was so beautiful because mm -hmm. it, it requires a kind of courage. Mm -hmm. it's to, it does, right, to, to step into it. To not shut down, but, but to, have that, to have that consciousness, this moment. There, there was a moment one morning where I was packing Jacob's lunch. And, you know, the morning, everything's kind of, everybody's trying to get going. There's a lot going on and crankiness and dogs mm. and whatever. And the words that came into my mind were, you're going to miss this someday. You're going mm. to miss this someday. So how about not missing it while it's happening? You know, like these are the good old days. Like, be here. And ever since that day, I really do pack his lunch differently. And so there is this feeling like this wax paper bag, this piece of, you know, What you're turkey. making today, yes, yeah. yeah. These things, putting together this lunch for this boy who's going off into his day. Yeah. Yeah, sacred too. Okay. I want to feel a sense of devotion. How do I do that? Well, first of all, tell me how you did it in synopsis, because we have to read the whole book because we can't get all the details, but. The way I did it in the beginning was by opening my eyes to the teachers that were around me, mm -hmm. really thinking. And look, I live in the middle of nowhere in Connecticut, so it wasn't like I'm in New York City or I'm in L.A. or I'm in Chicago and the teachers are there, you know, you can you know, th throw a stick and you'll hit a teacher. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know what that meant when I said that. You know, are the, are the cows my teachers? Like, mm -hmm. what, did, what did I even mean? But when you do that, your teachers do appear. Yes. You know, when the student, when is, the ready, student is ready. I mean, yeah. you know that better than yes. anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, and for many people, this show itself is a teacher. Yes. And may I say to all of you who are listening around the world that when you're open to it, you hear something, it's on TV, you're flipping through a magazine, you see a line, you see, that's how it comes to you. Yeah. That's what being open means. It's not Moses in the burning bush. The burning bush is all around us, that's is what right. I want to say to people. That's right. Yes. That's the beautiful. burning bush is everywhere. That's right. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously, this show is a great opportunity. You hear about a book, somebody suggests something, opens it up. That's what you mean by teachers. Yes. And, and, and you don't need to be in the presence of the teacher. Yeah. Uh, when I began this, I, there were so many books that I wanted to read. And I started going to the bookstore and buying them. And then I realized I was buying multiple copies because I had them on my shelves because mm -hmm. I'd had them for years. I just hadn't, and opened, hadn't them. opened them. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily about being in the same place. The t your teachers can be books. Your teachers can be um, someone on television. Your teachers can be something that you see on Twitter that takes you to a link. That happened yeah. to me this past week. There was yeah. an extraordinary link that it took me to where yeah. I read that's something. That's happened to me a couple of times. At, and that's, and, but it's the openness and I guess the centeredness to follow what those moments are. Yeah. I'm going to follow this. I think what you just said here is key. I am open and ready to receive. Yes. I am open and ready to receive. Yes. And when you say that to the universe, it's just like in The Alchemist, um, it, it, the universe rises up to yes. meet you exactly. exactly where you are. Yes. All you yeah. need to do is ask. Okay. So you open to your teachers and then... 
And then I began to think both about my present and my past in terms of the spiritual lesson. Mm. What, what am I meant to learn here? What is the what is the spiritual takeaway, if you will? You mean for from, your life? From my life. Okay, that's From this good. moment. So that's for example, really very difficult mother who died unhappy. Um, one, of my, one of the last things my mother said at the age of 80 was, I was just getting my life together. Mm. And also recognizing the lesson in that. Yes. Recognizing the lessons from people who are not maybe giving you positive lessons. Yes. Um, I well, just... that's what I think every death is. Every, you know, you're sitting at the funeral, you're going through the grieving process, but every, every death, in my opinion, is there is a wake-up call yes. for those of us who remain. Yes. Every single one yes. that affects you. Yes. And when we are affected in, our, in, in the body uh, uh, of our country by, you know, horrible things like Sandy Hook and what happened in, in Oklahoma, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. How do you waste time in the how, face of that? Yeah, how do you yeah. waste time? Yeah. Stop wasting time. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. Because each one teaches one. That's what Maya says. Mm. That's what we're here to do. Mm. When you learn, teach. When you get, give. Mm. If you can't do that, then there's no reason to be human here on earth. But I love that question. That's a tweet, tweet moment. What is the spiritual takeaway of your past? And now, what is that spiritual takeaway? Mm -hmm. So you started asking that question. I started asking the question. And one thing that I realized is that in my past, and particularly in that time in my late teens and 20s, yeah. life happened to me. Like, life happened to me. Um, now, life happens to all of us, and we can't control what we've been given. Yeah. But we absolutely can control what we do with what we're given. Always. No matter how harsh, no matter how painful, no matter how difficult. Mm -hmm. And so the feeling for me, like sometimes people will say, Danny, you've had a lot of difficult things or tragedy in your life. I don't, I don't feel that way. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't carry that around like some sort of heavy satchel. Nothing is wasted. Yes. There is not one experience, no matter how devastating, no matter how torturous it may appear to have been, there's nothing that's ever wasted. Yes. Yeah. And that's, so that's what you mean by uh, what is the spiritual takeaway? And that's Nothing's healing. That's Everything a, gets used. Yeah. Everything that's ever happened to you can yeah. add value. Yeah. Yeah. One of the questions that Jacob asked you when he was a little boy was, do you believe in God? Your answer now? Yes, I believe in God. I believe in him differently than maybe our ancestors did. I believe that there is an invisible fabric that connects us all and that God is here for all of us, for, for everyone. Um, I asked Jacob the other night how he feels about being Jewish and, you know, just, mm -hmm. and he said, I like being Jewish and I like being a lot of other things too. Mm. You know, it, it was, it, I wanted him to have his identity I wanted him to know where he came from. He's going to develop his own sense yeah. of what God is because he's watched his mother live in the questions. I brought God into our home by living in the questions, not trying to come up with an answer. 
What do you think happens when we die? Mm -hmm. That has changed for me over time. What I'm beginning to think is that our soul, our energy, finds its way into another form and that we don't vanish. And what do you know for sure? Mm. I know for sure that if I remain curious, which I think is just about the greatest underrated trait, um, and if I continue to follow, truly follow the path of my, my own calling, that that is where I find peace, that is where I find contentment, and that inner compass, the, the feeling and living and speaking from the gut, you know, not from, not from up here. You know, mm -hmm. Up here can take you to a lot of places, but from right here, it doesn't steer me wrong. You know what I wish for every person who watches us today and experiences the, the heart of you, that you, that you do exactly what you say at the end of the book. Understand that each of us human, full of longing, reaching out with our whole selves for something impossible to touch. Still, we are reaching, reaching. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Namaste. 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 I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.